Turn your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. I have a lot of reading today. I'm going to just jump right into the Word and try to tie together what a pa- well, the passages. So just follow along. A lot of reading, and I'm going to just go right to the Scripture. I'm going to be reading from Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Proverbs, and Judges. So if you're just writing them down, I'll give you the Scriptures. But Leviticus... Deuteronomy, Proverbs, and Judges. I have other scriptures here. don't think I'll be able to get to them. just want to address this here. Let's have a word of prayer. If you would stand, please, as we pray. And Tanika, would you pray for the word of God, please? Amen. Thank you. Blessings are not caught. They follow obedience, part four. Blessings are not caught. They follow obedience, part four. Deuteronomy, excuse me, I'm going to start with Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26, I'm going to read verses 14 through 18, and then verses 23 through 26, and then I'll go to Deuteronomy and begin to give you the scriptures as I read. Begin at verse 14 through 18, Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 14 through 18, and then verses 23 through 26. Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 14. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring upon you sudden terror, wasting diseases, and fever that will destroy your sight and drain away your life. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will, set, I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. And you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. Verse 18. If after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. Go to verse 23, still in chapter 26. And again, let me just say this for those who are, uh, have not been following the series. We were just dealt with blessings, the blessings of God. And now the Lord is dealing with the consequences of the curses for disobedience. So now we are at this point dealing with if the people of God did not Obey his word. Verse 23 of chapter 26. If in spite of these things you do not accept my correction but continue to be hostile toward me, I myself will be hostile toward you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. And I will bring the sword upon you to to avenge the breaking of the covenant. When you withdraw into your cities, I will send a plague among you, and you will be given into enemy hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven, and they will dole out the bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
verse 5. And again, I have a lot of reading today. So just follow along, please. Deuteronomy 8, 5. And what I'm reading reads a little bit differently than on the board. I'm reading from the NIV. And on the board is either ESE, um, ASV, American Standard Version. Verse 5 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Turn over to Proverbs right after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And this is what it says. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Turn over to the book of Judges. Go back. Go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. You will come to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. Judges 6, 1 through 10. You might want to break it down and maybe too much actually on the board, Anisha. Beginning at verse 1, Judges chapter 6. Again, the Israelites did evil... In the eyes of the Lord. Now I want you to keep this in mind as we just read the very first scripture in Leviticus. As the Lord was laying out what the consequences would be when they entered the land of promise. Now they have already entered and here's now what they have done as time has gone on. Again, it says again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on, they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you into their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Turn right over to, stay right there in the book of Judges, Judges, and go to chapter 10, verse 6 through 16. 
verses 6 through 16. Judges chapter 10, beginning at verse 6. And this is what it says, beginning in verse 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm. They served the Baals, or Baal, and the Ashtoreths, and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. My goodness. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, excuse me, and because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim. Ephraim is another name for Israel. And Israel was in great distress. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. The Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I will no longer save, excuse me, I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best. But please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the, served the Lord. And he could bear Israel's misery no longer. Turn to Judges chapter 13. I'm going to read this chapter. Judges 13, beginning in verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained, and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. Because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the women went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son, a son. And now, now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. 
Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here. The man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy, the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like to, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that we may honor you when your work comes true. He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched as a flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy, a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Blessings are not caught. They follow obedience. There are just too many things for me to address all the issues and points today. The judgment that the Lord told Israel, the people, that when you enter the land, there is the expectation that you are going to obey me. If you don't, here are the things that follow. Now, as we mentioned before, there was a list of consequences, actually, of blessings and curses in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. One of the differences between the passage that we read in Leviticus 26 is that as you read through the curses, there seems to be an increase in judgment if the children, as long as the people continue to rebel. In other words, it becomes more severe. The Lord says seven times over, about three different times. That's the difference between that, this passage and the passage in Deuteronomy. There is an increase in the consequences of not following through in God's Word. One of the things that happens with sin is that if there is not, if there is not a response of correction, or we don't take corrective measures, oftentimes God will then 
do something a little bit more to get our attention. Do you see, the first thing that God will often do is give warning so that you don't have to deal with the consequences. We cannot say that we don't know. We cannot say that, oh, I I didn't know that was wrong when the Lord had already and has already laid it out. When we look at the various passages that we read from Deuteronomy 8 and then from Proverbs chapter 3, the Lord says, those that belong to him, those that are his sons, those that are his children, he chastens, he chastises. In other words, the chastening means that you belong to God. It is a way of showing that you belong. It is the parent who lets their child do anything that really shows that they don't care. You see, children feel that, oh, my parents are are being so strict to me and they don't love me. But what you come to find out, really, when they get older, they come to appreciate that if I didn't have the discipline, I would have just run wild and crazy. And even though they can't appreciate it now, they come to oftentimes later realize and say, I thank you that you provided the discipline for me. It showed that you belong to God or the family, your parents. It showed that you were cared about. Today, it is children and parents who say, I give my child freedom. I try not to put too many rules and regulations on them. I let them do what they want to do. Your job is to help train them and prepare them to get ready to leave. Their job, your job is to know that they belong to God. And you have a responsibility to prepare them for the future. You don't want your child always dependent on you. Your job is to prepare them and get them out the house one day. It might be 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, but it's to prepare them to go. Come on, come on, Quinn and, and, and Chelsea, y'all can visit. Okay, about time for y'all to go. Yeah, Sherelle's making preparation right now. <laughs> she wants to go soon. But it's preparation to go. It's parents who say, oh, no, you can stay as long as you want. You never have to leave. No. You are preparing them to vacate the premises. <laughs> You see, it is the son, the one that, that is a part of the family that's prepared to be able to be launched out and one that's been trained to love God, one that's been provided discipline. It was the Lord's corrective action for the Israelites in first telling them these are the consequences for your behavior. So one begins to wonder, well, why was the list so long for the curses in Deuteronomy 28? And then in Leviticus 26, why so long? You see, and the blessings generally so short. You see, the curses oftentimes, it it, it seems to be meant to help to keep you from going forward. The more you hear about it, the more you don't want to do that. So these curses are very long. But when it comes to blessings, sometimes you can just hear things one, something one or two times. 
If you've been, if you've been told that you're going to receive something good, you will make sure that your parent don't forget. You said that I was going to get this. But when it comes to the consequences, when did you say that? You said what? (laughs) I don't remember you saying that. You might have told them four or five times. They get amnesia when it comes to the consequences. So the list for the consequences is quite long in case they missed it the first time. In the passage here, there's the Lord telling them that if you don't do this, then this will happen. And then we see in the book of Judges that they did the very thing that God told them not to do. Up until the passages that we read in chapter 6 and chapter 10, the people said, oh God, would you forgive us? But when we get to chapter 13, there's no mention of the people asking for repentance. It is the Lord that intervenes himself and says, I'm going to bring about a deliverer. But now it's very interesting because the main person of the story is not even Samson at this point, nor is it Manoah. It is the mother and the angel. It is at this point where the Lord dispatches an angel to the mother who is nameless. It's very interesting that when you have the protagonist or you have the leading person in a, in a plot or a story, their names are given. It is rare when you have the focus of the person unnamed and the person that is not necessarily the main character named, which is Manoah. What is the significance? In chapter 13, actually, Manoah has been, they said Manoah, Some of the theologians and scholars talk about how funny chapter 13 really is when you begin to break it down, how Manoah, it keeps getting bypassed, and the angel of the Lord, and the Lord's delivering the message to the woman, the mother, who shows more faith than the husband. It's been the stabilizer in the situation. Let's look at some of the things that, as we go through here, It was the angel of the Lord who appeared to her and not the husband. And she is reckoned actually as being said she is the wife of Manoah. Now we oftentimes know when the person, in many stories of the Bible, when the woman goes or a person goes unnamed, they're not the main character. That is not uncommon to not have that person not named. But to have her not named is significant. One of the things that when we look at this, we deal with the fact that the Israelites had sinned. They had, in fact, they had been in bondage at this time um, in the, in, with Philistine. Philistine was ruling over them, and it was a direct result of their sinning against God. The, the fellowship, the relationship was broken. They were not in good standing with the Lord. It was broken. And how the Lord comes to him, or comes to Manoah's wife, is interesting in the fact and in the sense that he appears on the scene and delivers the message to her, while Manoah is nowhere around, and it is his wife that goes to him to inform him what has happened. 
Now the details of the child is given to her. He was going to be from birth a Nazarite. Now a Nazarite was a person that was set aside to be used by God in a special way for a very specific or a certain amount of time. When we talk about a Nazarite vow, it was often time limited. When the angel said to her, you're going to have a son and he is not to drink anything that is fermented, no wine, nor is he to have anything unclean. The dietary restrictions that I had given before, he must follow that very, very closely. We don't find until she tells Manoah, she actually is the one who says he is to be a Nazarite from birth. That's not what the angel initially said to her. I mean, he's going to be a Nazarite all of his life. That is what she says to her husband. The angel says he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. This is what you are not to do. He's going to be set apart in his mother's womb as a special child dedicated to the Lord. And the Lord also told her what his role was going to be. He's going to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. He gave her the instructions of what his role was going to be. Now when she tells Manoah, her husband, we cannot forget and we don't want to miss that it was the fact that they were living in sin. You see, there are times when we are in sin that we seem to come to just accept the circumstances that we have found ourselves in or that we have come to be in. There is no sense of repentance on Manoah's uh, or, his, or the people saying, we must get right with the Lord. It is the Lord that's intervening. They're not saying, oh God, forgive us. We need to be delivered. Help us. We're sorry. No, we don't find that. There seems to be this acceptance of the condition until the Lord enters the scene. We should never get comfortable in sin. We should never get so comfortable in saying that this is just the way it is when it is really outside of the will of God. When the Lord brings about corrective measures for his people, it is for the purpose of having them to turn and to change and to come back to him. Manoah seems to be one who has been accepting of the role of this is what it is. And when the wife receives it, she knows immediately that this person is not just like any other angel or any other person. He's an angel of God. In fact, he says, a man of God, and he looked like an angel. That was her perception. And then the Bible says that she goes to her husband and tells him. Then Manoah does something that's very interesting, very good. He prays. Now, some of the commentators think that Manoah was actually jealous of his wife. That he said, show us. Show us, and we're going to look at some of the things that happens in this, which is not nothing wrong in a sense, but show us. But we're going to look at the questioning and how the angel responded. When we look at Moses, when Moses approached the Lord, there was this direct conversation with the Lord going back and forth with Moses as a representative of God. We never see that. Manoah was really that person. It was his wife in this situation. And so we find that the angel remains unnamed. And we find that his wife remains unnamed. And there's more of a connection between the angel and the wife 
than between Manoah and the angel. What's happening? What's, she seems to be perceptive regarding what's taking place. So it says that Manoah prayed to the Lord, verse 8, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us to bring up the boy who is to be born. The Bible says that God heard Manoah's prayers. And the angel of God came. Listen, not to Manoah the second time he came to the woman again. When Manoah was not around, out in the field. Get this carefully. Look. He didn't, he didn't come to Manoah. He was the one that prayed, and he came again to the wife. Mm. The first and the second time. And it was the wife who again went to get her husband, says, the man is here again. She had already known that this was a man of God and it seemed to be an angel. And what does he do? He appears to her out in the field. Generally, it was the man that was to be the responsible person in leading the family into worship. Even though the angel of the Lord, when you think of, when you think of even uh, Mary and Joseph in the New Testament when Christ was to be born, he came to Mary, but the angel of the Lord, when, he was, when Joseph was thinking, what am I going to do? The angel of the Lord said, Joseph, this is of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Came to Joseph in a dream. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Yeah. There was confirmation because his heart was pure and was right with the Lord. Let's go on here. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here, the man. Verse 11, Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, that's a good thing. He's believing him. He's believing the wife. When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life? What does the angel say? Your wife must do what I've told her. He goes back to what? He told the wife. And then he does answer him, but he refers back to what he said to her. And then he says, you must not eat. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or form any drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her to do. Central, central, central theme here. She's unnamed, but yet she's very important. Receptive and all that God is doing, she's believing. She is acting upon it. The children of Israel are in bondage. They've been going in and out of bondage. The son that's going to be born to her is going to be Samson. And yet, here's the interesting thing. She was barren. She couldn't have children. Do you not know? Remember, children were a blessing. They were a blessing of God, from God. And get this, she wasn't, the Bible doesn't even give an indication that she was even praying for a child. She wasn't complaining that she didn't have anyone. We don't hear any of that. We just see that the Lord comes and says, this is what's going to happen 
And there's no questioning from her of doubt or any doubt or any questioning about what God is going to do. Go on. Fifteen. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. We wanted to eat. This is common. You have the, we want to prepare something. Notice the answer. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. That was a saying, thank you, but no thank you. Whenever there was fellowship with the Lord, there was a meal that often went with it. When people were in right relationship with God, there was a meal. There was a fellowship meal. There was a way of sealing. It was common that when agreements were made, it was followed by a meal to show that they were coming together. The angel says, no thank you. I'm not going to eat with you. The relationship is broken. The focus, though, if you want to do something, offer an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. Because you know what? You all have been offering offerings and sacrifices to Baal. So if you want to have a right relationship, get your relationship with God right first. We're not going to eat because there's no fellowship. Offer the offering to God. So you go prepare the goat for him. Why? Because they can't offer God a sacrifice if they're sacrificing the Baal and Ashtoreth and all these other foreign and, and false gods. So he says, no. I'm not going to sit and eat because there's no peace between God and the children of Israel right now. When you're out of relationship with God, and he's giving you time to correct it, and you keep saying, no, there's no relationship. He's not sitting down to dine with you. Think about this. Even your enemies. You don't sit down oftentimes and have a wonderful meal to your enemies until you guys get it right. When you guys get some things right, you say, oh, let's have them. You, you can enjoy the meal when the relationship has gotten better. I may have told y'all this before. I can tell it myself because it's me. There's a hamburger place in Runner Park. And what was it called? There's a place in San Rafael called Best Burger. And that was called, what was the name of that place? Burger something. Burger City. They had some good burgers in Burger City. But I decided this time, I'm going to go there. It was an evening. It was a Saturday. And I went there and get this burger and some fries and a shake. And I don't remember if my wife and I got in an argument before or after. <laughs> and had an argument. And I didn't even want to, I can't eat in this house. I'm going to my car to eat. Went and sat in my car and couldn't even enjoy the meal. <laughs> Sitting there eating a hamburger mad. Can't even enjoy it. When I got this expensive burger for the first time and now it tastes good but I can't enjoy it. Here I am pouting in my car and my first experience with this burger ain't enjoyable. I got to go back in the house and get it right. We got to talk this thing through. But the next time I went, 
We went together. I, we enjoyed our meal. Had a root beer float and fries. That was a good burger, y'all. The second time, oh, it was a, it was a wonderful burger. So I just want y'all to know. I didn't enjoy it the first time, but I sure enjoyed it the second time. Why? Because the relationship had been cleared up. I wasn't eating it mad. In fact, I think I only eat half of it in the first time. <laughs> when the relationship is broken, you can't have fellowship. There's no fellowship. But the angel says, offer the, offer the sacrifice. So it gets the goat and the grain offering. And as he puts it on the rock, the Bible says that the angel ascended up with the offering as he touched it with the staff. Isn't that great? That offering, that sacrifice was being accepted by God. You want to have a right relationship with God? Then get that vertical right with God first. Living on this horizontal plane in sin and then got your relationship right with God and say, God bless me? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't have that. You can't do it. I've got a couple minutes and we're going to be out of here for today. The Bible says, I'm going to skip down. They fell to their faces when they realized. Now, he didn't come to realize that, oh, it's an angel. She had already known, but they recognized that when it was accepted that this was truly an angel, they fell down on their faces. They didn't fall backwards. They fell forward on their faces to worship. An experience with the Lord makes you fall prostrate and fall down before him. Let's go on. When the angel of the Lord didn't show himself again, this is what Manoah says. We are doomed, verse 22, to die. His wife said, we ain't going to die. That's how you should read it. If all the things that he told us and he was planning to kill us, come on, Manoah. We ain't going to die. It's comical. And I ain't got time to go through all the things. I will come back and deal with this, excuse me, at a different time. But his wife is the one that says, if the Lord was planning to kill us, he wouldn't have told us all this other stuff. He wouldn't have told me that, there's a, that, that the child I'm to have is going to be a Nazarite. And get this. It was the mother who named the child. The mother who named the child Samson. It was the father who would name the child. And it was the child who was oftentimes named after the father. The mother named the child Samson. When we consider how God used her, it was because God was going to begin to deliver his people from their enemies. They were going in and out, in and out, in and out of, of bondage and captivity. That's just like us. You, do you not know we go in and out of bondage and, and captivity when we fail to adhere to God's word and obey him? You see, when I mentioned to you that blessings are, are not caught, they follow obedience, you've got to recognize that that's what pleases God. I don't know why people often think that they want to offer God that which he is not requiring. 
first. So in other words, if God has us, then everything that we have that belongs to us, he has as well. You see, when we don't have a right relationship with God, we want to piecemeal things to God. Here, Lord, take this. Take this. Don't take me as a whole, but take what I'm trying to give you. But when God has us, and whenever he would bring the children back into right focus, and they would repent, they were saying, Lord, we give ourselves to you. That's all. I give myself away. I give myself back to God. Piecemeal, give God a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We'll serve God here. We'll serve Jesus there. That's called syncretism, serving all the other things. And we just include God as well. God can be served too. God is one God, one holy God. And we must serve him in spirit and in truth. God has a plan for every one of our lives. But it has to be tied to the obedience of the Lord, of his word. When we look in Proverbs, discipline. Don't think that you will not be disciplined if you belong to God. Discipline will come if you belong to him, if you're outside of his will. And thank God for discipline. You know why? Because it has a time frame attached, and the Lord is the one doing it. You don't want to be disciplined by the enemy. He ain't got no compassion on you. But the Lord does. And so the Lord has a deliverer. The Lord has a plan. And he used Manoah's wife as the one to deliver the message, as the one to come to, as the one to say, I'm going to do this work. And we'll do a study as time goes on with Samson and look at that, look at that. But I want you to know, Susan, I want you to know, as we read all the scriptures, it all ties in the sense that when the Lord says, if you disobey me, I'm going to cause this to happen. And so we find that people came down and ate up all the food that they planted, all the things that they were doing, their donkeys, their camels, and took them all, and, or many of the things, and just devoured the land. Why? The Lord had already said it. So we cannot say that we don't know, because God has already let us know. Remember, if you want God's best, then give him your best. If you want God to be your, your foundation, then serve him, live for him. I, I just get tired sometimes just of hearing people trying to offer God that which is not what he's requiring. Can I give this to you and be okay? No, just do it as God says. We're going to have difficulties. And as we close with this last word, just remember this. Troubles in your life and problems don't mean that you're outside of the will of God. I know that sometimes we equate that. If we're following the Lord, it doesn't mean that we're outside of God's will, but it sometimes and oftentimes means that you are in God's will and he's taking you through. Remember, in order to grow, you've got to go through. You go through the trial. Here we are trying to claw ourselves over, around, go under trials, get away from them when the Lord is directing. Go through the trial that God has ordained, that he establishes, and he'll give you the grace to go through. Just bow your heads. Let's pray. In this place, Lord, today we pray that you will help the Word to do the work in us this week, that we will meditate upon the Word. And we, as we look at, as you, as you line out, what the consequences of sin would be. And then in Deuteronomy 8, where you spoke of how a father disciplines his child, his son, and in 
in Numbers, or rather in the book of Proverbs, when you talk about that a son that belongs to a father is disciplined. It shows love. It shows relationship. Shows and judges how the people, as they left God's will, how the Lord then in fact brought about the very things that he mentioned in the curses and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those things that were really meant for the enemy. And today we are praying that you will bless us and help us to know that when we come to you fully and submit ourselves fully to you, and that we can come and that when we are back in right relationship, that we can then experience the fellowship with the Lord, and then we can join and eat together and have a meal with the King of glory. We thank you today for all that you're doing. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. We will see you this week. Amen. God bless you.